wrestling through looking more like this peaceful kingdom that, that God has brought. The Proverbs speak a lot about this, and so I'm going to walk through some of the Proverbs with you this morning that talk about this peaceful kingdom and how to live in this peaceful kingdom. Okay, look at this. How many of you can relate to this picture here? Oh, yeah. Peaceful kingdom. The, the proverb writer says, Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Hey, think about this. The people that lived at this time, they couldn't go right down to the store and have, as you go to town and country just down the street, you notice how there's a whole section that is dedicated to meat. And you can look at that and think, man, I can walk down and I can eat the fatted calf right here for 10 bucks. I can buy it and I can take it home and I can eat the fatted calf. Man, that's easy. I didn't realize this, or at least I'd never thought about it, is that a lot of people in the time that the Proverbs were written would taste meat maybe only a few times in their life. That was the food of the wealthy. Because what happens is if you kill a chicken, you butcher it and you eat it, then it doesn't lay eggs anymore. If you kill the cow, it doesn't give milk anymore. It doesn't pull the cart anymore. All those sort of things. And so there was a lot that went into deciding, I need to slaughter this, this, this animal. And a lot of times, the majority of the meat that people would eat was the meat that was given to God in sacrifice, and then they would feast together. And so the idea here is that most people would live a whole lot of their life eating dry crust and eating something that, that wasn't the best. But this proverb here is better, says, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. In other words, it's better to have very little that's good to eat than to have all sorts of good things that, are, that you can eat, that you can put on the table, and there be fighting because that's miserable. It's terrible when like that. It goes on to say, whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise. Okay, and think about this is a lot of people had servants, even if they weren't extremely wealthy, they had servants. And so the idea here being is that if a person brings heartache on their family, then ultimately the servants are going to be the people that, that get the majority of the blessings uh, rather than family. And not only that, but whoever loves, whoever loves a quarrel loves sin, and whoever builds a high gate invites destruction. This idea of building a high gate is, is that as people live in community together, right, that life is good, life is wonderful, that's the way it's supposed to be. But if someone in the community says, hey, I'm going to build up this gate so stays away, I'm going to remove myself from this community and I'm going to put myself on a different level, then what happens is, ultimately, you're going to need the rest of those people in your community. And there's going to come on your life because you have separated yourself from them by building yourself up to be great or, or something along those lines. And he goes, continues on about this peaceful kingdom. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. Now, Casting the lot was basically flipping a coin or, or rolling the dice. That's the idea. And uh, people would spend time in prayer and say, we don't know what the right answer is here, so we're going to cast lots. We're going to pray about it, and we're going to cast this lot, and we're going to see what the answer of God is. And so for us, I don't know that many of us have ever, have ever done this. Uh, there was a guy here a number of years ago There was a teenager in Montana that grew up in one of the churches and, and went to camp. And I remember one of the things I really... I got a kick out of with him is he graduated high school and he said, I have 
no idea what I'm going to do, but I, I've narrowed it down to two choices. And so I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to flip a coin. It's either to go to art school or to join the Marines. And that was his choice. And he flipped the coin and he joined the Marines. So that's what's happened. And, and that's a, but I've not heard of too many of the rest of us doing this. But I think the idea here is that sometimes we just don't know what the right answer is. There's not a lot of, there's not a clear right and wrong here. There's not a clear sinful and, and, and right. And so maybe the best thing sometimes is just to flip a coin. Okay, let's flip a coin and move on because we can't resolve this when there's disputes that are happening. And furthermore, look at this. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. When people get to a point where they're spending all their time and effort into providing defenses here, then peace is hard to come by. And when people spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to defend themselves, then peace is hard to come by. That's the idea that is here. We can invest in one of the two, being defensive or being peaceful, and not both is uh, the idea that the proverb writer is getting across to us here. And check out this. This is one of the strongest statements in the book of Proverbs. Drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. And again, this is, like I said, one of the uh, strongest uh, phrases that is used here in uh, Proverbs. The idea of a mocker, someone who is is going to stir the pot no matter what, and they just continue, continue, continue. There's a section I'll read here that was helpful for me in understanding this. But something I I remember years ago, there was a when I was doing an internship down in Dallas, Texas. There was a a gentleman there that owned a, a car lot, and he said. I, when I opened this place, I had all sorts of plans for great expansion. And what I told my customer service representatives is that we are going to have 100% customer satisfaction. Everybody that comes in here to buy a car, everybody that comes in here to get their car worked on is going to leave happy. Everyone, that's how it's going to happen. So he did some training with his customer service representatives, telling them everybody leaves happy. Everybody, that's how it's going to work. And he said what happened is I started losing money hand and foot. And I had to go back and I had to reevaluate this. And I went back to my customer service representatives and said, all right, here's the deal, we're changing this. 99% customer satisfaction, okay, 99%. And he said, he started making money and business started going good. He said, because I realized that there's a few people out there that no matter what you do, you can never make them happy. They are miserable, their hearts are hard, and they are going to do whatever they can to try to make life absolutely miserable for the people around them because of where their heart's at. And I realize there's nothing on earth I can do to have those people walk out of my car lot happy, and so I quit trying. And this proverb, you notice what it says here? Drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. And he said, it's been so joyful around my business when we stopped trying to make a few people happy. Think about this. This is, a, I think I showed this to you last week, some, a resource that I've been, I've been using that's been helpful. And I'm going to read these comments here, and this is more Bible class style than preaching here this morning, but this is, uh, was helpful for me to, to think about this. Um, it says, 
The command could not be sharper, cast out or drive out the scoffer. The latter term is probably the strongest word that wisdom has to describe wicked stupidity. Scoffers or scorners are persons so entrenched in foolish and spiteful behavior that they make sport of those who try to do right. The very words suggest persistence and incorrigibility. No finesse will change them. They're beyond being shamed. Gentle persuasion falls on deaf ears. Firm measures are utterly necessary. They must be cut off from the fellowship of the community lest their disruptive influence become permanent. Their absence eases each pressure which their presence produced. Contention, the quarrel or argument which they never allowed to ease up. Strife, the conflict over decisions as to the community thought their opinion did wrong and reproach. The same that the scoffers by their nasty talk and insolent uh, slurs heaped on their neighbors during the disputes. Okay, the idea is there is, again, like my friend who owned the car lot in Texas said, there's something that's just not going to be happy. That's the way it's going to be. And listen to this. A timeout is to be called during those times. Parents and teachers use timeouts effectively with children. A kid who is stubbornly dominating a game, speaking meanly to others, or physically abusing a playmate is forced to sit or stand alone, apart from the group for a period of time. Thus, cast out. He or she has the opportunity to cool down, break the pattern of aggressiveness, feel the pain of discipline, and get ready to resume normal relations. Troublemakers need such isolation, and groups need such relief. The well-being of a community is essential if it is to afford the strength, support, and direction that we require to live fruitfully as persons within our circles, societies, and neighborhoods. And I remember reading that this week and thinking, man, that's not what I want to be ever, is, is someone that is guilty of stirring the pot constantly and creating heartache for the people around us. And hopefully that's where all of us are. Being spirit-led people, this is not what we want to look like. But even in the, in the New Testament, one of the things that you look in chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, Paul tells Titus, as he sent him in to, to, to appoint elders and to, to help churches be healthy, he said is, if there's a person that is divisive among you, warn them once, then warn them a second time, then have nothing to do with them because it's just going to poison what happens in the good communities that I've caused, that I've encouraged you to go and, and bless. Okay, enough of that. But this is important to note here, is that some of the strongest words that are ever used in Scripture are used for us when we stir the pot and destroy peace within the community. That's what is, is shared here in, um, in Scripture. Okay, so let's not do that. All right. But living in a peaceful kingdom, here's some nuts and bolts as far as what living in a peaceful kingdom looks like. It's better to be poor, better the poor whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. Better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. Okay, these are very similar phrases that are used here. And if you notice in the Proverbs, when they, the Proverbs speak about riches and wealth, they do so differently than what we see Jesus talk about. Jesus is talking from a different angle. He speaks a lot about, man, those of you who are very, very wealthy in this world, it's, it can be really damaging for your souls. You need to really consider that. Need really need to watch that. The Proverbs don't speak in those terms. The Proverbs, maybe, uh, because, and, and let me pitch this to you. One of the ideas out there is that the Proverbs, like many other societies, uh, part of why they're written is to teach young people in society how to manage and be good citizens. And so a uh, part of what the Israelite society and, and by God's, uh, God's own uh, 
uh, inspiration uh, shared through the Proverbs is that, boy, what you don't want to do is be the beggar at the gate. It's really destructive. It can be really destructive to have to live in that abject poverty. But you need to take care of the poor. It t- speaks about taking care of the poor and how important that is. And, and um, but but being poor is not held up as great. This is a great spiritual opportunity. It's, it, you don't see that in the Proverbs. And maybe what we understand from here in these verses here behind me is that even though the being poor is not seen as a desirable outcome ever in the Proverbs, it's a whole lot better to be poor than it is to be someone whose lips just spout things that are perverse. It would be better to be poor than to be rich and be perverse. If you have to choose between those two, choose to be poor. That's the idea there. Something, and so it lifts up the importance of what comes out of our mouths. We talked about what comes out of our mouths last week, and we'll have some overlap here. Is so important for the peace of a community. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Boy, this is a extroverts. Okay, we're, he's talking to you right here. He's talking to me. All right, is one who tends towards the extrovert side of things. Just because we have something in our mind, just because we have something to say, does not mean we need to say it. <laughs> Doesn't mean it needs to be gushing out. And uh, and sometimes we can mistake our own opinions for fact, and we um, make sure that everyone else is entitled to my own opinion, right? You know, we can live that way. And Proverbs say, mm, no, that's not the case. You don't have to say it. You don't have to delight in sharing your own opinions. If you're going to share anything, share, as Paul talks about, the very words of God. Furthermore, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. I thought about this last night. As uh, there's, we have some friends from Great Falls that are in town visiting this week, and there were some other the college students and young adults that ended up at our house last night. We ordered uh, Rose's pizza, and I love it. Nathan, rock on, man. And what happens when I eat Rose's pizza, oftentimes I lose my self-control, right? And I just start eating because I love it, and I just eat it, and, and I pile in. And I remember walking around last night thinking, man, I shouldn't have eaten those extra three pieces. You know, I should have stopped a little early because it's gone down to my inmost parts and I just, oh, I'm hurting. Okay. The idea here is that yak, 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 the gossip, the words that are said in order to damage the souls and, and credibility of other people get into us and they just weigh us down and they can be really destructive. And not only that, but a gossip betrays the confidence so anyone, to avoid anyone who talks too much. It's important to watch our words carefully because if someone comes to you and talks about, tries to destroy the credibility of someone else, understand that they will probably, when they're not in earshot with you, do the same. And that's a, it doesn't build up a peace in the community. Look at, uh, furthermore here, we'll continue on. Now look, I look. At, I like the picture of this rabbit here. Anybody know what kind of rabbit that is? That's a jackrabbit. That's right, Willa Jean. And what do you notice about jackrabbits? Big, long ears. You think these things can hear? Oh man, they can hear. They can hear everything, and that's how they survive. Okay, maybe a good thing to consider. Take on the jackrabbit ears, right? To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Okay. Now, we're going to have confession time here just for a minute, all right? Here we go. How many of you have responded to someone who is speaking to you before they finished speaking? Yeah, okay, confession time. Here we go. 
Yeah, that's, that's kind of how we roll, isn't it? And this looks a little different in, in each society. Something that uh, I remember when I first moved to Italy and lived there for a few years is that the Italians will all talk at the same time, or at least that's how it seemed to me. I thought, wait a minute, they're not even listening to each other. How are they even understand what they're talking about? And I realized that they'll talk in more circular patterns than we will. They are listening. They just don't do it the way we do. But you see, the point here is to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Because in a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. Now, how many of us can relate to this, right? Is that you've heard someone say something and you think, oh man, that's bad, that's terrible. How on earth is it possible that that's happened? And then realize that there's another side of the story, right? And we think, ooh, man, I wish I had known that side of the story first. We missed it. We made a mistake because we didn't understand all of this. Something that is, uh, that's important for us to remember is that all of us are pretty complex people. And in any conversation, we bring a lot of baggage to the table. Okay? So as I talk with you and you talk with me, let's use that as an example, there may be things that influence me from the past. Not maybe, there are. Things from my family of origin, things that happened during my young adult years, whatever it may be, that I have bring that I bring to the discussion anytime there's any type of interaction. And you do the same. And so discussion is rarely surface deep. There's something else that is happening in the background. Let me give you an example. There's a good friend of mine that I remember. Uh, he's a tremendous man of faith. Tremendous uh, Tremendous godly man that has demonstrated a lot of fruit in his life. And I remember approaching him when I lived in Great Falls years ago and saying, Hey, would you teach, help teach a Bible class? Okay? Pretty easy question. He's got a lot to share, a lot to offer. And what I saw from him is all of a sudden fear come in his eyes, and his head looked down. He said, Chris, I will never do that. When I was a young Christian, I was asked to teach. I did, and this gentleman who has uh, been in the church a long time came up afterwards and just tore me up one way down the other and telling me how everything I had said was wrong and, and all of that. And I'm sure this gentleman, because of the hurt, he misunderstood some of what was happening there. But it wasn't just a simple question. It wasn't just a simple discussion, was it? There was a lot of hurt in his background in able to, to even have a conversation like that. And so it's important for a peaceful community for us to slow down and be able to hear where we're at and to understand each other's hearts. The lips of fools bring them strife, and here's the other side of it, and their mouths invite a beating, which was punishment at that time. Ancient Israel didn't have any jails. Uh, punishment was swift. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Thought about this rabbit up here as well. How many of you have ever done any trapping? Anybody ever been a trapper? Okay. Yeah, there's a... Okay, Tony's our resident trapper, all right. And so I found a trap last year, actually in the woods that I was hunting. I found it. It was uh, an old sprung that had been half buried, and I thought, wow, that's cool. That's an amazing thing. But the trapper put that there at one point in time for a mink or, or whatever they're trying to trap to be able to come and, and, uh, and stick their foot in it. And so you look at this here, think about this, is 
our mouths can be a trap <laughs> that they uh, just get us in trouble and uh, create all sorts of destruction for our lives. And so everything that comes out either builds up the community of peace or helps tear it down. Here's a continue on here. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. Hey, think about this. Uh, there is, uh, when it says the, um, uh, the, the fruit of their mouth, and I'll, I'll put up this next uh, passage here as it talks about fruit as well. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, the concept of, of loving the tongue or loving the, is the idea of saying, I realize how dangerous what comes out of my mouth can be or how, bl- how much of a blessing it can be. It can go either direction. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to love understanding how to use my mouth in a great way that builds up peace, that builds up prosperity for others, that builds up peace in the community and doesn't stir the pot or doesn't tear others down. And that's what I'm going to love. I'm going to love the pursuit of wisdom and what that looks like and how to do that. Because I realize that what comes out of me can be life or death for other people. And gold there is, and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. How many of you have found gold or rubies or something like that at some point in time? Anybody? Yep, there's Tony and Fred. Okay, you guys got all this wisdom and knowledge that we're learning from here, right? There is a... Uh, I know that the time that I've spent at Virginia City, I've been to Bannock once. There's ghost towns all over Montana. The people made big journeys in order to come and to find something that was amazing there. There's a, I've seen pictures of gold that are huge uh, that someone found at some point in time that sacrificed much for them. When you read some of the stories of what happened at Virginia City, in the 1860s, what people gave up, what people sacrificed in their life in order to come and to try to strike it rich and, and get a lot of like gold there. Amazing stories of what people will do to go to the ends of the earth to find these precious metals. Um, if you've never read uh, some of uh, the, the journal entries from um, Mary Ronan, she's a little girl that grew up in Virginia City, and she shares some of what life was like there in the 1860s. Pretty, pretty fascinating uh, stories that she tells of what people would sacrifice and what people would do in order to get all this, this great wealth. But when I think about this, just imagine I'm holding here a great gold nugget that comes from Virginia City. Maybe it's in a museum somewhere. It's worth thousands, maybe millions of dollars, I don't have any idea. Or the Hope Diamond, a diamond that was originated in India and is now in the British Museum and is the point of contention, worth millions and millions of dollars. And you look at that, if we have a choice to give one of two things to the world, what would you choose to give to the world? A great diamond, like the Hope Diamond, or a great nugget of gold, or the Sermon on the Mount. Think about that. The words of Jesus have been used to change the lives and to change the world. And has the Hope Diamond or has some of this great gold from Virginia City done much to change the world? Maybe somehow a little bit. But words are valuable. And those who speak words that are valuable are rare. So changing our perspective of what's really valuable in this life. 
deciding to love words and, and uh, use them to build up the community of God. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. And the words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. The idea is that a person who has great wisdom can dig into those deep waters and bring them to the surface so that other people can see them, can, can enjoy them, can uh, appreciate them. And one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Okay, So if you don't have a king for a friend, you've probably never done this, right? Because that's what happens, right? We get kings for friends. I remember the Proverbs are written in a context that they're not absolutes. There's no footnotes here. But the idea is the friendships that are extremely valuable or friendships that, that we can hold in high honor or people that, that we can look up to and think, oh, man, that's the person I want to be next to, I want to be close to. You notice the two things here, and I underlined them. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace. Integrity and sensitivity. Someone who speaks in those ways will go far in life. That's the idea here. Now think about for us, if we can be people that day in, day out, decide, man, I'm going to be one that just loves purity in my heart. If you notice the scripture that Gabe read here just a few minutes ago, talks about that. Guard your heart because everything that goes in your heart comes out at some point in time. And if I make a decision to be one who speaks with grace, is those type of good words come out in order to build up the community of God, then relationships are going to be rich. Kids, you guys are heading back to school. you got an opportunity um, to use your words to enrich the lives of others. Adults, as we go through life, we have opportunity to choose our words to enrich the lives of others. My son, this is from chapter 3, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. There's something that happens when we make the effort and make the decision here inside our heart to say, I'm going to be one that is part of the solution and not part of the problem when, when we as people, the stuff comes up. I'm going to be one that pursues solutions. I'm going to be the one that, that looks around and says, hey, I, I can see that we're not a finished product. I can see that the community of God, I can see that my workplace, there's, there's all sorts of shortcomings and I see it everywhere. But I want to make a decision to be one that speaks with uh, integrity, that speaks with sensitivity, that I, lo- I love this pure heart and I just want this to flow out of me. And we change the world that way. Think about all those diamonds, all the the riches that are out there. According to Scripture, the real riches are what's in here that comes out of our mouths. And uh, that is something that every one of us can look at and say, wow, peace and prosperity. Here it is. Peace and prosperity. The good life that God talks about comes from not forgetting the teachings of God, but really internalizing those that my heart's changed and I share those with others. A lot of stuff here. I feel like preaching the Proverbs, I've never done it before. There's, there's a whole lot of things that, uh, that, uh, that don't get mentioned when we, uh, when we share the Proverbs. But what it boils down to is, man, this wisdom has been around for a long time. And there's, uh, what comes out of our mouth can provide peace and, um, for others. And uh, we can all be part of making God's kingdom.
look uh, like this peaceable kingdom that he has established. This little slice of heaven that as we go forward gets better and better as we go. You are on board making a commitment to be a part of that. Raise your hand. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're here, to be, to be those people that look more and more like uh, the peace of God. If you'd like to become a Christian or like prayers, you're welcome to head to the back. The elders are back there. We're going to go straight into the Lord's Supper now, and then we will sing our way out of here. Uh, week.